All right, this morning we're going to read from Psalms again, Psalm 101. All right, this is a Psalm of David. It says, I will sing of steadfast love and justice. To you, O Lord, I will make music. I will ponder the way that is blameless. Oh, when will you come to me? I will walk with integrity of heart within my house. I will not set my eyes before I will not set before my eyes anything that is worthless. I hate the work of those who fall away. It shall not cling to me. A perverse heart shall be far from me. I will know nothing of evil. Whoever slanders his neighbors secretly, I will destroy. Whoever has a haughty look and an arrogant heart, I will not endure. I will look with favor on the faithful in the land that they may dwell with me. He who walks in the way that is blameless shall minister to me. No one who practices deceit shall dwell in my house. No one who utters lies shall continue before my eyes. Morning by morning, I will destroy all the wicked in the land, cutting off all the evildoers from the city of the Lord. Amen. Father, we thank you so much for your grace and your mercy upon us this morning. We do come and, and we just sing. We sing to you this morning, Lord God, and I pray that as we sing to you, that you would sing over us. We thank you for being here with us this morning. I pray that uh, each and every one would, uh, you would meet with, with each of us in a, in, a, in a special way, Lord God. Speak to our hearts. Help us, Lord God, to be different going out than when we came in. We thank you for it in Jesus' name. Amen. Please stand. The song before that, uh, there was a verse that said, The weary world rejoices. We are living in a weary world, aren't we? It's weary out there. It's groaning with all kinds of pains. And it, it just it brought to mind the that, that, that mag, there's a magazine that puts out a person of the year every year. And I just thought, what that person does, whatever whoever they put on that magazine pales in comparison to what Jesus did. He's the person of all of history. And unto us a child is born. Unto us a child has been given. A Savior should be the person of the year every year. It's amazing what He did. And it just reminds me that that um, we just give Him thanks and praise. Especially in this season now, we, we remember His birth. And like I said last week, I said it's just the beginning. New things are coming. New things are coming. Praise the Lord for that. Mary B., come up and share a testimony, will you, please? I am, I am so excited. I don't know if I, I pray God that I say this right, you know, that it comes out right. God is so good. I mean, it's my grandson, my six-foot-three grandson, construction worker, fell off three, 30 feet, landed on his back in last, well, 
was a Friday. Anyway, they airlifted him to Regents Hospital, did immediate, immediate surgery on his stomach because he had internal bleeding, so he's got some big incisions to heal. The next morning, they did neck surgery, um, put a plate in, and he's got a collar. And they were going to do back surgery down below. The lumbar is all messed up and crushed and whatever. But they anyway, they went in Tuesday and did that. And cleaned out a bunch of hematomas and other stuff, and and so I. But he's, you know, he couldn't move his foot. He could move his hands all the time, and he could, you know, his brains aren't scrambled, you know, which should be for that far. He should have been dead, but he's, he, you know, he couldn't move his right foot. That was all swollen. I mean, this moved and his foot moved, and but the right, you know, whatever. The other day when I came, both those feet are moving, and they stood him up. They make this big kind of a molded cast thing on the front and the back and stood him up. And yesterday I got a, a message. He's sitting in a chair for 15 minutes and he's like this. And I, oh. But that's just the visual stuff that we can see. God is doing so much more. I mean, you know, it's just when God heals, it's not just not a physical thing, man. We need a whole lot more insight and all our... All our stuff for years. You know, God can heal all that. And I can see miracles ahead, little by little. It's just, his father drove 20 hours to be up here with him. He's still there. He leave tomorrow. It's just, and he's been so attentive and so kind. It's just, it, God is so good. I mean, it's a long journey ahead. But when I think of all the wonderful things that are going to happen in the middle of that, with all of that, he goes to rehab next week, and they're talking another surgery of fusing in January. And I thought, well, okay, whatever. But anyway, all of that comes, but just what other stuff in this song, Noel, Ricky, wherever you are, that is the Noel. And anybody that knows me for any long knows I don't cry. It's just, I just don't. I did. <laughs> Twice in the song after that. This is a song I heard on KTS, whatever her name is. Can't even think of it now. And Pastor Gray loaded it on my computer, wherever he went. And, you know, and I said, and, and Ricky said they sang that at the women's tea. I thought, really? Well, maybe, I don't know if it's the same one. It was the same one. I just, you know how somehow you can hear all this stuff and you don't hear it? <laughs> Whatever. But it was the same one. And every time I hear that, one of the things is, um, Noel, it's not like our old-fashioned one, but it's come and see what God has done. And it continues to do. And I mean, I'm seeing miracles coming. And I'm just so excited what's going to happen, you know, in the future. And I mean, life is not going to be the same for Carl, but it's going to be better. And for all of us, I thought, it's, you know, this Christmas stuff is in all, it's all because of Jesus. You know, that's the only reason we have anything. And we get good stuff and it's going to get better and better if we, you know, Keep our face on him and not get all tied up in all the other things. It's not going to last, and it's not going to stay, and it's all going to go away anyway. Only thing you can take is, you know, is just, you know, um, only can you bring yourself and whoever you bring with you. But anyway, God is good. That's good news. And if you don't think your prayers work... There's a testimony right there that prayer works. Prayer is effective. The prayer of a righteous man availeth much. So, or woman. 
Thank you, Brian. All right. And did did can we give uh, Denny? Do you want to give a real quick testimony too? Just you know, the word of our testimony, right? So it encourages. Uh, really touched my heart that you know, she said that it was a long journey. It is. Uh, it's been a long journey. Uh, been through battle of cancer for two years. Um, it's it's been miraculously healed. I mean, the God can they cannot find anything. So, in all of that, I get to go back to work on Tuesday. <laughs> uh, I've I've been it's it's been crazy that you know how God really works in your life, and and, and with all the prayers and. And all the, the 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 people in your life that that just touch you and and just you know are there for you, you know the people that you don't even think of that would be there for you. It, it's a miracle. No, it's just all I, I, I can't say anymore. <laughs> Amen. Amen. Yeah, even even the great Moses needed someone to hold his hands up, right? When they did, the battle was won, right? When his hands were down, it was the battle was was kind of in question, but as soon as he had somebody to help raise his hands, that's when the battle was winning. So we're helping people. Relax, I don't want your blood. (laughs) (laughs) I'm going to do a little commercial for Wednesday morning prayer. It's really a commercial for the Lord Jesus and the Father God answering our prayers. We get together here, there's probably, it varies, six to eight people, pray an hour and a half. And uh, we make a list, kind of write down what the needs are, what we're, what the Holy Spirit's telling us, what how Pastor John is saying, look for the pray for the future for good decisions and everything. But last week we kind of all laid our hearts out there and what we really needed. And the next day we start hearing from each other. Now Ricky stood up a week ago talking about how Sarah's good report. We prayed for Mary's grandson, Kyle, and that was in flux yet, and it wasn't looking real good, was it? On Wednesday, and I and I kind of humbled myself. I usually just I'm a pretty self sufficient person, but I said, you know, I've had diabetes, pre diabetes for ten years, and my last checkup in September, oh, the numbers were climbing. I'm not on medications, and I'd rather never be on them. But they were climbing, and I I was feeling worse and worse, and I started doing what I should do, watch my blood sugars, and they were bad. And so I made an appointment, and I went to the doctor, and I was going the next day, and I went in, and I told. I was a nurse practitioner, actually. I said, you know, I think they're going to be, I think I'm going to hit the threshold where I need something. So we start planning what she should prescribe, and she's giving me the options and and uh, drew the blood, and we hadn't the results when I was in the office. Um, but I get a call. When, Ten years ago, if, if you're a diabetic, you understand this. There's a, a test that kind of tattles on you and kind of tells how your blood sugar has been the last two months. A1C. 
Okay. So you can't just go in there and tell them you've been behaving. It, you got a report card. And mine had, had been pretty, pretty stable, but I started at 5.9 10 years ago and I lost 85 pounds. Well, I haven't lost at all. It came back. Hey, no, don't give me too much credit. <laughs> I've gained 45 of it back and lost it again and gained it and lost it. But anyway, this was supposed to be short, wasn't it? Anyway, I'm thinking I'm going to hit seven and here come the drugs and I really don't want to do it. Anyway, she calls me back right away when I get home. You know what? Your number's 5.9. Now, I haven't been there in 10 years. But we prayed the day before and I I do believe that is God. Thank you. Amen. Amen. Turn with me again to Luke chapter 2. So for years I've, I've shied away from Christmas messages. Now this year I'm just going to go for it. Going two weeks in a row. Next week we got the Christmas program. It's going to be good. Good stuff. Luke chapter 2, beginning with verse 8. And it says, And in the same region there were shepherds out in the field, keeping watch over their flock by night. And an angel of the Lord appeared to them, and the glory of the Lord shone around them, and they were filled with great fear. And the angel said to them, Fear not, for behold, I bring you good news of great joy that will be for all the people. For unto you is born this day in the city of David a Savior who is Christ the Lord. And this will be a sign for you, and you will find a baby wrapped in a swaddling clothes and lying in a manger. And suddenly there was an angel, or with the angel, a multitude of the heavenly host praising God and saying, Glory to God in the highest, and on earth... Peace among those with whom he is pleased. Glory to God. So now, Jesus came to the earth. The plan that God set forth, you have to go all the way back to Genesis to see the beginning of it. It didn't just happen the last few days, well, nine months, okay, well, I'm going to send my son now, and nine months she gets pregnant, and then she gives birth, and now here's Jesus. No, this plan started all the way back in the garden. In the garden, man had just sinned, Adam and Eve had just sinned, and they were, they were uh, being, you know, standing before God, and he's telling them, hey, this is what you did, this is what you've brought into the earth, so here's what's about to happen. What's about to happen is things are going to get tough. Your life's going to get really hard. It's going to be hard to work, it's going to be hard to live, it's going to be hard to be married, it's, it's going to be hard to, to raise children, it's going to be hard. It's going to be tough all the way around. And it's going to be that way because of your choices. But then he turns to the serpent, Satan, and he said, because of what you did, you may bruise the heel. There's, he said, there's going to be someone who's going to come and you're going, to, you're going to bruise his heel. You're going to think you attacked him and you got your thing. You know, any, anybody, who gets, anybody ever been bit by a snake? I know, isn't that just a weird thought? You're going, no, good, ah. No, and I, don't, I don't know anybody that's ever been bit by a snake either, but you know that whole idea, that's just terrible, especially a poisonous snake, and one that can kill you. So he, you know, he's going to bruise, you're going to bruise his heel, but he's going to crush your head. Amen. Glory to God. We win. 
He won because we're in Him. He, because He won, we win. But it started all the way back in the, in the garden. He says, somebody's coming. Jesus, a Savior is coming. Then the whole Old Testament systematically foretells and foretells. You go through Isaiah. We read Isaiah last week. You, you go through all of the, you know, the different uh, stories of everything. Everything has a, what they call a scarlet thread that weaves through the whole Old Testament, always pointing to the Savior coming. So this plan for 4,000 years, that's how long, so 4,000 from, from the garden all the way up until uh, the, the, that night with the shepherds sitting outside has been preparation for this moment. This moment. And so God had this amazing, ingenious, uh, brilliant, powerful, uh, it changes everything. He has this, un- this, this overwhelmingly amazing plan. And He puts it all in a baby. The uh, sermon title this morning is, What Was He Thinking? <laughs> what was He thinking? He put the hope of every man, woman, child, every human being, He put the hope, the only thing that could save us in a baby. Let that sink in for a second. I mean, that, that baby was a special baby. We know it was, that He was a special baby, but He was a baby nonetheless. He couldn't even move himself from one place to another. He couldn't even clean up after himself. The hope of all the universe. I mean, if anything goes wrong with this plan, we're sunk. He put everything into one manger. A baby. What was he thinking? And even worse, he put this baby into the hands of a human father and a human mother. Now, for all accounts, we don't know exactly. There's no, there's no dates given. There's no ages given. But very likely, Mary was somewhere between 14 and 16. Joseph may have been older. You know, as tradition, they, he, she, he may have been older. We don't know that. He may have been the same age. God put the hope of all the universe, this baby, this, this infant, in the hands of first-time parents. <laughs> Don't raise your hands. <laughs> but did you ever have one of those moments where you go, oh, whoops, <laughs> mark that down. Don't do that with the second child. Okay, don't do that. So Ethan was very, was very tiny when he was born. He was, he was uh, three pounds, 15 ounces. Two, three pounds, three ounces. He went down to two pounds, 15 ounces. And then he, he began to grow and so on and so forth. And he you know, healed up and got stronger. And he was... How old was it when they, when they start to just start to crawl? How old is that? A year? No, no. Was it 
six to seven months. Six, seven months. Six, seven months. Six, say seven, eight. Say eight months. He was up on his knees and could be on his hands. And Deb was at the table doing something, you know, creative. And I was... I was taking care of the baby. I was the one taking care of, and so, you know, and I was having fun with the baby. So I had him on the counter in our the island of our. Wait, wait! Don't get ahead of me. <laughs> I had him on the counter, and I was say, "Hey, buddy, how you doing?" You know, and he's giggling and everything, and and I would I put my hand on his butt. He was tiny, and and he had his his like jammies and stuff on. He was slippery. I could push him on the counter, so he had his hands out and then he had his knees and he was I could slide him around the counter I was having I was like, you know I was being a dad Ooh, and I was sliding him back across Ooh. and Deb's over there working she's kind of smiling because dad's playing with the baby Ooh. and all of a sudden I, pu- I thought you could go faster <laughs> so I put a little extra push behind him and his arms buckled and his face went Boom! Just face planted him right in the on the countertop. Boom! And you hear this dull thud, and then you hear, "Wow!" It just loses it. You know, it went from giggles to losing it. And and I was I was, I thought I felt horrible. I felt absolutely. I felt. I mean, terrible. I just face planted my son on the counter, but it was it had it paled to what happened next. Yeah. <laughs> what was God thinking when He put the baby with first-time parents? Because I didn't realize that that was a bad idea at first. Now he survived. His nose a little flatter, but hey, he's fine. He's fine. You know, I wish I could say that was the last thing that I would hope. Don't do that again. That's that's bad. But what was he thinking? The hope of all the universe in this child. And not to mention, usually I start. We start talking about this when you think about the world he put him in. This world that he put him in, yes, was, was void of the Spirit. The only people who had the Spirit of God were the, were the priests and the kings. That's the only ones that were eligible to have the Spirit. The only ones that were given the Spirit of God. Otherwise, nobody. And more than likely, even the, the priests of the day weren't really following him because they didn't even recognize him. And especially the king. The king didn't. It was King Herod. Remember King Herod? So not only did God put all of the hope of the universe in this baby, but He also put the care of this baby in first-time parents. I know it. (laughs) But then He puts them in a world where it is not only scary, dangerous, and hard, But he puts him in a world where the king is trying to kill him. I mean, everything is against this child. Everything in this world was was out to destroy him, to to, to end this plan front and early. And then, I mean, let's make this even deeper. He didn't put him in a home that could be easy to raise him in. You know, I mean, he didn't put him in, in a, uh, a nobleman's home. 
that had an army or you know at least guards and protecting and then a wall around his house he he was born in a barn if he, if if anyone was making odds as to whether this baby would first of all survive let alone grow up and be who he grew up to be and then to fulfill all of the prom, all of the the the, the uh, prophecies about him, the odds were impossible. Have you ever heard those odds? Have you ever heard what it would? The odds of of uh, of Jesus or any person, any human being, fulfilling like ten of the prophecies, and there's forty five, fifty some, sixty some prophecies in the Old Testament, but. The, the chance that anyone could fulfill at least 10 of them, the first 10, where he was born, who he was born to, you know, the, the events around his birth, things like that, would be the same odds as if you took a quarter and you painted the quarter, quarter red and you took this quarter to the middle of Texas and you filled up Texas a foot deep with, all, with, with quarters and you buried it somewhere and then you took a blindfolded person on the edge of Texas and said, you blindfolded and said, keep walking until you want to reach down and pick up a quarter. And they picked up the right one. That's the odds of Jesus fulfilling. This plan was impossible. This situation was impossible. This, this whole thing had every reason not to succeed right from the very beginning. There was no hope that this child would survive, this child would, would thrive, this child would, would, be, would fulfill his destiny, and this child would do exactly what he had to do at exactly the right moment. We were talking about that this week. You know, somebody was, was not happy with me that I said last week that Jesus wasn't born on, May, on, on December 25th. <laughs> Here is he. He was born sometime in September, probably September 9th. But he also died at exactly, he was put on the cross the, the same hour as the sacrifices were being made in Jerusalem that day for the Passover. He fulfilled the Passover in every way. His death. His, his burial, His resurrection, everything He did was not only did He do it, but He did it to the stopwatch. He did it exactly on time. Yeah. Everything, even His birth, was exactly on time. Turn with me to Galatians. Galatians chapter 4. Galatians chapter 4, beginning with verse 4. But when the fullness of time had come, God sent forth His Son, born of a woman, born under the law, to redeem those who were under the law, so that we might receive adoption as sons. And because you are sons, God has sent the Spirit of His Son into our hearts, crying, Abba, Father, so you are no longer a slave, but a son. And if a son, then an heir through God. Glory to God. Perfect. Absolutely perfect.
perfect. He, he, he was born exactly when he was supposed to. He was born. The reason, you know, the, it's not a huge thing. Let's celebrate September or December 25th. Let's, let's celebrate, you know, Christmas. It's a good thing. I mean, praise God. The name of Jesus is proclaimed all over the place. That's awesome. I'm not, I'm not anti, you know, Christmas anything. But the fact is, he was born during the Feast of Booths. Did you know that? The, the, the Feast of Tabernacles. He was born during the Feast of Tabernacles, also called the Feast of Booths, because the, everybody in Jerusalem were putting up these little huts, these little small dwellings, and they would move into them for a period of time and celebrate. Hey, we have this party. Look what they were doing. They were, they were showing it in two ways. Where was he born? In a manger, in a stable, a little temporary house. But he also came and he was Emmanuel. He came and he dwelt with us in this earthly tent that we live in. He took an earthly tent and dwelt among us. He was born during that festival. Glory to God! Timing. Talk about perfect timing. This was not a slipshod operation. This was not a, a, a well, we'll see what happens uh, at some point in time. Somebody will, be, you know, you ever watch these movies that talk about, you know, well, there's been many saviors. There's been many messiahs. There's been many, you know, and just every so often one is born, you know, the one. Have you ever seen that movie? None of you, really, that's good, wonderful. No, I've never seen it either. So, uh, <laughs> but it wasn't just, oh, by the way, here's an uh, matrix. Matrix, there were, you know, there's been multiple saviors. No, there isn't, there's one. There's one, and he was born exactly on time, and he did exactly what he was supposed to do, and he didn't have, nobody else has to save anybody because he did it. He fulfilled it once and for all. And it wasn't by chance. It wasn't a, a quarter in the middle of Texas chance. It was on purpose. And it was fulfilled exactly the way it was supposed to by obedience. And it was because of His obedience that every name that has a name shall bow its knee. Everyone who, everything that has a name will bow its knee. Because He has been made supreme once and for all. That's who we serve. This wasn't, this Christmas season isn't, oh, isn't it neat how? No, it's like the God of all the universe did exactly what He said He would do. And He fulfilled the plan exactly how He said He would. And because of it, we have a hope that we didn't have before. So if this is the way God can work His plan over thousands of years, generations of people, specific individuals meeting and, and, and fulfilling specific things, living their lives in such a way, and always having in, within them that scarlet thread that is saying, He's coming, He's coming, He's coming. But when is He coming? When is He coming? When is it going to happen? It'll happen in the fullness of time. It'll happen exactly when it's supposed to. It will be fulfilled exactly when He meant it to be fulfilled. Yeah, but when? But when? But when? The only way anybody knew. The only, there was only really two people that knew that, that we have recorded. There, probably, there may have been more. Praise God. There was 
Simeon and Anna. Two older people who had spent their whole life seeking God, listening for His voice, understanding what His intentions, His desires were, and they were waiting for Him in the temple when He arrived, eight days later, right on time. And they woke up that morning, they probably knew nothing else. Nothing was... Everything was the same as it had been for every day before that, but they, they did what they always did. They sought God. And this morning, that morning, they heard the Holy Spirit say, He'll be there today. And they hung out there waiting for Him, and they said, It's that one right over there. How many other babies were coming on, the, on their eighth day? We don't know. But they said, it's, the Holy Ghost said, It's that one. Perfect timing. Hearing His voice. Obeying what He says to do, when He says to do it, how He says to do it. In the fullness of time. If God can, can, can fulfill that plan, can He fulfill your plan? That's the question. That's the rub, isn't it? Because, you know, well, you don't understand... I was born at the wrong time. I was born to the wrong parents. I was born in an evil world. You don't understand. It's not working out for me because I have all these things going against me. When the reality is, so? If God can fulfill Jesus' plan... And it says, you know, it says that he, you know, that that from the from foundations of the earth, you know, he his plan was to do it exactly the way it was. But you know what else he also knew from the foundation of the earth? Do you know what the word says? He knows you. He knew you from the foundation of the earth. Every day. Every Situation, every hair on your head, every every problem, every opportunity, every every question, every doubt, every fear, every adver- uh, adversary. He knew you from the foundation of the earth, and it says that he knows your days. He knows exactly when the promise will be fulfilled. He knows exactly how it's to be fulfilled. And all you have to do is be obedient. Now just now, some of you clicked over into, yeah, but I've made mistakes. And that disqualifies me. You're wrong. Think deeply into yourself here for a moment and say, you're wrong. Say it out loud. It's good. No, I'm not wrong. You're wrong. (laughs) Because He is the God who redeems you. He redeems situations. He redeems. Adam and Eve made a mistake. It was from the foundation of the earth. God was, had planned to do exactly what He's doing right now, you know, and, and everything's being fulfilled exactly. He, from the foundation of the earth, immediately, Adam and Eve blew it. 
and it still came to pass. And the, the, the first son was who? What was the name of the first son? Adam's first son. Cain. Who was the second son? Who was his third son? Who did Cain kill? So he not only killed the first, the first son was disqualified, the second son was killed, he had a backup plan. God always has. It's not even a backup plan. We, I don't understand how it works. That is going to be the thing. You know, people ask, well, what's the first thing you're going to ask when you get to heaven? I, you know, why didn't, why isn't this, why isn't that? Yeah, that, those are definitely big questions. But mine is, how does it all work? How does the fact that I found the perfect woman in the whole entire universe for me, after all the mistakes that she made with men, with guys... <laughs> That was the wrong way. I should have said it the other way, shouldn't I? All the mistakes I made. Should we talk about Deb's old boyfriends? Every once in a while. Okay, they're all, they're all, all except one is in the ministry. And all, and all uh, are very successful, very, but they're all boring. Every once in a while, I'll tell her, I said, if you would have married so-and-so, I won't say his name just in case he's watching, but if you'd have, you would have been bored all the time. But now you have me. But had she married the boring one? Had she made that mistake? God could have still fulfilled the plan for her life. It doesn't matter the mistakes you've made. It doesn't matter. He, he, I don't know how he does that. That to me, the whole redemption, the redeeming of time, the redeeming of choices, I don't know how all that works. But the plan for your life is not off the rail as long as you get back on the rail. You can choose to get off the rail and stay off the rail and, you know, yeah, absolutely. But that isn't his plan for you. And you haven't gone too far and you haven't messed up too much. You you haven't screwed up the plan. Praise God that His mercy is new every morning. Every morning His mercy is new. And it's in that during these these Christmas time, this seasonal time, you know, there's so much pressure, so much things going on, so many, you know, we really do need to stop and say, Lord, thank You. Thank you, Father, for sending Jesus. Thank you, Father, for working that plan, making it all work the way it was supposed to. Thank you, Lord. Last set of verses, John chapter 3. Because he did what he did, we have hope. John chapter 3, beginning with verse 16. For God so loved the world that He gave His only Son. You know, a lot of people believe that God's mad at them. You know, some people that feel that way so much they just they they don't they wouldn't even come here. They, you're not here. You may be watching by computer or by TV by accident because you were sw- swing, swinging by there. But usually, people aren't 
aren't, you know, if you're here, it's not, you don't think God is mad at you. Now, you might think God is disappointed in you. He's not that either. He loves you. For God so loved the world that he gave his only son. There isn't anybody in this world that God hates. Nobody. There's nobody in this world that God's mad at. He understands who we are. He understands who we are. For God so loved the world that he gave his only son that whoever believes in him should not perish but have eternal life. For God did not send his son into the world to condemn the world, but in order that the world might be saved through him. His plan was not that any should be lost. He does not want anyone to perish. He does not want anyone to die in their sin. Verse 18, whoever believes in him is not condemned, but whoever does not believe is condemned already because he has not believed. It's in their court. It's in that person's court. It's it's not God's plan. It's not his purpose. But you get to choose what you're going to believe and who you're going to believe in and, and, and how you're going to believe. Because he has not believed in the name of the only Son of God. The only Son of God. There are no other names under heaven by which men can be saved. Buddha will not save you. John cannot save you. Definitely, Greg cannot save you. There's no other names. Verse 19, And this is the judgment the light has come into the world, and people loved the darkness. That's the problem. Rather than the light, because their works were evil. For everyone who does wicked things hates the light and does not come to the light, lest his works should be exposed. But whoever does what is true comes to the light, so that it may be clearly seen that his works have been carried out in God. This Christmas season, obviously, is not about commercialism. It's not about toy sales. It's not about any of that. It's not about Christmas meals. It's not about even family time. It's about a Savior. The Savior came into the world with a purpose and a plan. And that was to save the whole world and He did His part. He did exactly what He was supposed to do. Now it's our turn to do what we're supposed to do. And that is to continue to be light. On Christmas Eve, we always have a candlelight service. And I love it because that, that is a, a huge part of Christmas that I love and, 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 and the family time and everything else that we do. But that candlelight service is so representative of, of the light coming into the world. And I always talk about it. It's a single light, a very you know, a small, it was a baby But by the time we pass that one to another, each person lighting each other's candles, then it spreads throughout the whole room. You could actually read a book in that light. He did his part. It's our job to do our part. 
and to keep spreading that light because not a single person person should perish. If you're watching by video today or listening over the internet or watching by television or however you're watching or listening or if you're here today and you've not believed in the Lord Jesus Christ, I want to give you an opportunity today because that's the reason for the season. That's the reason is that He came into the world so that you don't have to perish, that your life can be fulfilled in Him. It says that that we have to believe. What do we have to believe? We have to believe that He came to this earth, that Jesus was born. It is a historical fact. It's that's not you know. It's you could debate it all you want. You're wrong. It's a it's a historical fact. He was here. He was born to the people that it, that the Bible says he was born to. He was born in the place he was born. He was raised. He grew up. There's historical documents that talk about even Jesus and Joseph working together in a carpenter shop. One of the one of the historians, a non-Christian historian, talked about there are still implements here that Jesus of Nazareth and his father built. So it's a historical fact that Jesus exact existed. And he was a good teacher. He was a miracle worker. That part is, is documented. It's a historical fact. They, they, many non-Christian historians of the, of the day were writing, yeah, there's a guy doing, there's a magician named Jesus doing these things. People are being healed. But he also said that if you believe on him, on his death, on his, his burial, his resurrection, you will be saved. That's the difference. So what do you have to believe? You have to believe that He existed, that He lived, that He died, and that He rose again. And that payment, the Bible says that sin was put on Him, was placed on Him at the cross. And when He died, it was paid for once and for all. Tetelestai. Tetelestai was the last word that Jesus spoke before He died on the cross. Tetelestai is an Aramaic word that means it is paid for. It was translated, it is written. Or it is done, it is finished. The word, the, tra- the correct translation is actually it is paid for. Every sin is paid for. Every one of your sins. And every one you've ever committed, every one you'll ever commit. But you have to believe that. And put your trust in that fact. And then you get to grow. There's so much more. Jesus said that He was the door. That He knocks on the door of your heart. That He, he is the way into, Christ, into God. And once we go into Him, there is a vast, and unending universe in Him of life and joy and power. But you have to believe it. So let's stand, please. I'm going to pray. You can pray with me if you want. I'm just all I'm going to do is this: is I'm going to pray this. I'm going to lead in a prayer. I'm going to say, Father, I I repent of my sins. I receive. I believe what you did on the cross for me saves me. I put my trust in you. Now be the Lord of my life. That means you get to be the boss. Fill me with your Holy Spirit. 
and live with me, live in me every day. So let's pray that right now. Father, I repent of my sins. I believe what Jesus did on the cross for me. That it paid for my sins. Father, fill me with your Holy Spirit. Live in me. Be the Lord of my life. From this day forward, Jesus Christ is Lord of my life. Amen. That's the reason for the season. Glory to God.